KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. It is a big challenge for me. Challenge accepted. My boss, you know, the first thing Ed said to me in an interview was, no one ever cries here. I just want crying at the end of the season. I don't care if you win or lose, but there needs to be tears. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, nobody cares. I just want somebody to care around here. I said, all right, got it. Like, there will be tears at the end of the season. And our guest this week is Amy Cohen, the head field hockey coach at Division II Westchester University, the Westchester University field hockey team, a powerhouse on her watch, three-time national champions. And Amy, thanks so much for the time. Thanks so much for having me. The last several interviews I've done with people, you have to talk about what the last year has been like. It obviously, COVID uh, washed away the, the 2020 season, but uh What's it been like for you coaching-wise, personally, as far as, you know, keeping the kids engaged and stuff like that? Um, it's been tough, and I'm sure everyone has said that. You know, this is not an easy time for any athlete, in particular college athletes, and I think also in particular being at Westchester. Um, our other PSAC schools were kind of able to get out there and compete a little bit. Um, thankfully, our spring sports were able to compete. But the rest of us, you know, we were lucky and fortunate enough just to be able to practice. And uh, some of the other PSAC schools, actually hockey-wise, were even playing games in the spring, and we haven't. So I think that was really, really hard on our student athletes. Um, but you know, it's that terrible saying: "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." Um, and I think the kids that really want to play and be out there are just chomping at the bit. They can't wait for August. But we just spent the last year and a half playing so many crazy Zoom games from essentially like hide and seek scavenger hunt in the house, uh, to setting them out in their neighborhood, find a picture of a flower, making up songs, like whatever you could possibly think of. We tried it just to kind of stay connected. Uh, the zoom workouts were rough. You know, our kids were always getting up six o'clock in the morning just to lift our strength coach, um, had an infant and that's when he was available, but they were up and they were doing it. Um, so, you know, it was a tough year, but finally being able to get back with them in January, we do a lot of swimming. So my assistant and I were in the pool a lot with them. So they swam and then we finally were able to get back outside. And it was just kind of like a sigh of relief, even though they were in masks um, and had to be social distance for a good bit of it. They were just so thrilled to be back out there and be able to be together. So you're seeing, you know, some, some people, I think, honestly, are deciding they don't want to be college athletes anymore. It's like they've seen, you know, I have, I have this free time and, you know, we spend all this time at home, maybe college isn't for me, that type of thing I think is going on in college sports right now. And then you're also seeing the flip side of it where you're seeing a different passion for the game now. Um, you know, I enjoyed some time off to tell you the truth, but not a day went by in September and October of last year that I didn't think like, darn, I want to be out. It's a game day. I'd wake up Saturday morning and, you know, you see some college football teams playing and, you know, I love college athletics. doesn't matter what sport. And I'm, you know, smelling the fall air and I'm like, why am I not going out there? And we texted each other. We have a group chat. So I was talking to my athletes the whole time and, you know, I missed it just as much as they did. So, you know, we're totally pumped to be out there. We're at camp right now. They're out there sweating, you know, their tails off coaching, but just so happy to finally be able to get back out there, you know, in August for preseason and our first game, I think there's going to be a lot of jitters, but um, they're, they're just excited to get back out and, and play some hockey. Do you feel like this experience has changed you as all as a coach? Um, I think like, it's so cliche, but it's like, this is a new reality. Like you have to be more open and accepting to 
what the kids are going through. So as a college athlete and as a college coach, you're very regimented. Like this is what you do kind of like this hour of the day. Um, and I've always been a coach that I feel like life is all about the choices you make, whether it's in sport or in life. And it's the same way on the field. And I, I train my kids that way. Um, and what, how, why am I different right now? I think you have to understand that when they had all of this free time, things did change. So I think it's taking them a little bit longer of a time to get back into like that natural, you know, habit of this is how it's done. And no, you actually can't do this now. And, you know, watch the social media again, like certain things like that. Um, but I hope to be the same person out there. Um, I've always thought, you know, your family has to come first. Um, and I think our students get that. And I think there's probably just a little bit more, uh, you know, of that in me. But I, I think having kids changed me more than, than a pandemic um, in that sense. You know, my alums always like to call me soft now. Like, oh, you're so soft. I don't think that I'm soft by any stretch of the means. And I don't think my current team would tell you that. But I think having kids really changed me more than the pandemic. I was already family oriented from that point on. And now um, it's just, it's, it's the same thing. So my kids and my family come first. So I understand that theirs do, and I'm accepting of that. Uh, so long as Westchester field hockey comes somewhere in the top three, we're good. So field hockey for you, you grew up in South Jersey, correct? Yes. Was field hockey always at the top of the, the list for you as far as sports, or did you just play whatever was happening in the neighborhood or in the community I, or the season? Yeah, I played everything. Um, soccer was always really big. Basketball, I played, um, you know, freshman basketball in high school. I played softball three years in high school. My last year when I, you know, had committed to being a Division One athlete, um, and I was a goalkeeper and I was never fit. I asked the track coach if they would help train me. So he said, you know, if you do winter track uh, and throw around the shot put in the discus for us, which I had never done before, he said, we'll train you. So um, ended up making like some of the state meets or whatever. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know what I was doing. If you gave me a shot put now, I would probably throw my back out trying to do it. But I was pretty athletic, um, did that my last year and, you know, got myself ready to go into college. Now, I read something in prepping for this that you knew in sixth grade you wanted to be a field hockey coach. Is that true? Yeah, I always just loved field hockey. So it was always pretty big in South Jersey. Um, Ocean City has had some really amazing players, and I always was reading about them in the newspaper. And I literally had played every sport. And the sixth grade is the first time they let you play field hockey, or they did where I was from, uh, from Linwood, New Jersey. And I stepped out there and I was actually a field player for the first year. And I think my kilt didn't fit the right way. And from that point on, I'm like, I can, I'm not doing this. Like there's gotta be something else with a sport I can do. So I was like, Oh, the goalkeeper, I don't have to wear a skirt if I do that. Um, and I loved it. So my parents let me sign up for every camp under the sun um, and I actually have never had another job. So most people have had different things they've done throughout, you know, their careers. I've only ever coached field hockey. I started, you know, in high school, that was my summer job always, whether I was refing a league, helping a league, you know, throwing balls in um, to playing four nights a week to just doing coaching. So as a high school athlete, I was helping out middle school and I was fortunate enough to, you know, been able to pick up private lessons when I was younger Went was a division one athlete and somehow, some way I was a history major at Lafayette, but I talked my way um, into getting credits and classes paid for, for interning in my coach's office. So yeah, I, I just always wanted to coach and I had a family that supported my passion of doing that. What was it about field hockey at that young age that you fell in love with? 
I love like the team camaraderie aspect of it. And I, I do think it's a hard game to learn. So it was always challenging to me. Um, and I'm a control freak. So, you know, that's the goalkeeping position. So from being a goalie, you have to literally coach everybody on the field. So I, I loved it. And I got to, I'm, I'm bossy. That's just who I am as a person. I think you have to know that, you know, strengths and weaknesses. It's not one or the other, but I know that about myself. So I fell in love with that dynamic of being able to say, uh, you know, watch your left shoulder drop here or whatever, you know, as a, as a young kid. And you could yell anything as a goalie and people were like, okay, okay. Um, so I think I fell in love with that aspect, you know, of it that I could kind of control what was going on in front of me. Um, and I was athletic, but not super athletic. And I think that's probably what made me um, such a good athlete in college was the fact that I could control what was going on and I could limit the angles of shots and certain things, but it was definitely the control piece to it. Um, definitely always was a student of the game, always trying to learn. And I'm still trying to learn again. It's, it's not an easy sport. Uh, people are all, why is this whistle? Why is that whistle? My dad still always asked me that. Um, and you know, just the constant learning and evolving of the game is what you, you know, I also fell in love with. You have to have a certain mentality to be a goalie in any sport, but I think specifically in field hockey because they are hurling balls at you that are going to hurt. I know you're well protected, but you have to have a certain mentality to to thrive as a goalie in, in field hockey, you know? Yeah, I always say, like, goalies are a different breed. Um, and I have a goalie now, and, and she loves this, that I'm like, she's completely normal. Like, you can't pick her out of the crowd. Usually you can pick the goalkeeper out of the crowd. Um, I think you have to be willing to put yourself out there, and you can accept losses and wins on your shoulder. And, you know, I just was that person that I thrived on. That I loved – I lived for the moment. Um, I loved being in charge. I mean, it's that whole piece to it where, like, you know – what you actually do out there does matter. It's not that field players don't I mean for sure. Like you have to score a goal to win a game, but to know everything kind of rests on your shoulders. I think that's kind of cool. So, you know, getting hit with the ball makes up for the other stuff. When you fall in love with the sport, but when do you start to realize you're really good at it? Like, is it immediate that you feel like, you know, you're getting a little more attention or was it gradual when you thought, I mean, I know you said you wanted to be a, a coach since sixth grade, but when do you start to feel like, you know, I can take this further than most? I mean, I don't know if you ever truly think you're good at something. Um, I was an All-American in college and you still like, oh, I should have made that save. Like, what am I doing wrong? I think I always just looked at myself as being like a true student of the game and not that I excelled. I don't even know if I would say I excelled now. I just happen to surround myself always with really good people. And I think that's, you know, one of my greatest attributes as a, as a coach and as an athlete is um, who you surround yourself with. And I kind of learned that from my head coach in college. I don't know if she was the greatest X and O's, but she always made sure that everything fit. Um, so in terms of being good, we can go out and we may beat a team 10, nothing. And like in my head, I may know that that's what should happen, but before the game, I'm sweating, I'm shaking the national. Like, I just don't ever have that thought that like, you know, I'm so great. Like that's just not who I am as a person. And I think I look at every game as a challenge and I've always looked at my playing, you know, the same, my playing days were so long ago, but I had the same thought always as an athlete, even though I was good, even though I, you know, was helping to set school records, first team to make an NCAA tournament and do some of the things that we did at Lafayette. Um, I don't really think that was because of me. I think it was because of the people around me. Why did you choose Lafayette when it came time to choose a college? Well, she needed a goalie. So she actually hand wrote a note and I had saved it for the longest time. Um, and there was actually another athlete in South Jersey that was looking at them. I had never heard of the school. And 
that was one time where I thought, well, I'm better than she is. I was first team all, you know, Cal and she was second team. So clearly I should email and, you know, try to reach out to this coach. Um, so she said, you know, Hey, we don't promise anything, but we don't have a goalie. So you could have the opportunity to start and play all four years of college. And that's all anyone ever had to tell me I could start for four years. Like I have to work hard, but like, there's a chance, like I'm in. So I didn't even know anything about the school. My mom and I went up there and, um, I, I fell in love and it was, you know, I got to play for all four years of college. And that's kind of not something that happens really anymore. I mean, I started and played in every single division one game. I did have injuries, but I was able to play through a lot. And I love, I love my college coach. And that's a big reason why I also wanted to get into college coaching. What was the, and you mentioned you played all four years, had success right away. Was there a big transition? Oh, I did not. I did not have success right okay. away. I got to start. I got to start as a freshman, but success was not something that I think any of my teammates would have said happened. My freshman year was awful. I just remember scoring on myself several times. I remember like taking my sweeper out with a slide tackle and getting scored on, and we both looked. I just it was it was awful. Um, and I just got more confident in myself as a sophomore, and that's when that was my probably my best year. I was an All American as a sophomore, um, and we made the NCAA tournament that year. But my, my first year, I will not even sugarcoat it because God forbid one of them listens to this interview. It was bad. It was bad. But how much does that help set the foundation for success fighting through a less than desirable freshman year coming out the other side, still standing. So I think that's something that I can lean back on and give some experience to like my current student athletes. I think it's so hard um, to start and play as, as a freshman in any sport. And I, I tell parents this all the time, like as a freshman, you're going to get calls from your daughter, like early in the morning, they're going to tell you it's the best day of their life. And they're going to call you at 10 o'clock that day. And it's going to be the worst day of their life. And a lot of that, it's going to be related to playing boyfriends, girlfriends, school, whatever is happening in the day. Um, but you have to be mentally fit to play and play well as, as a college freshman. Um, so I, I definitely struggled. And it's something that um, I, I watch my current student athletes go through this. I think fitting in is a big piece um, that a lot of females struggle with compared to men. I don't, we, we're so different. And I talk to the guys all the time. I'm, I'm really close to a lot of the coaches at Westchester and just have other coaching friends and coaching men and women are completely different. I think women always think like, oh, I have to be friends with everybody on the team first. And I get so frustrated by that, but I was that person. I was that kid. I, you know, became friends with people my sophomore year. And then all of a sudden, like, here I am, you know, almost 90% save percentage. And I don't even know what it was. My freshman was probably like in the sixties, which is atrocious. Um, and it's just something that I can help my goalies with. I can help any student athlete just by telling them, you know, I've been there, I've done that. Uh, and it, it does, it makes you want to strive for success later on in your career. And, you know, I always teach my current kids, um, you got to tell history, like, tell them where you came from. Like typical for Westchester field hockey is kids play a little bit freshman, sophomore year. And then I have all Americans junior, senior year. It's the same person, but she didn't get to play much. And it's, you know, only the strong and only the, the fit mentally and physically that are going to survive in college athletics. Do you remember when, was there a moment when you felt like you turned the corner as a college athlete where a random save, a practice, or even just a discussion where all of a sudden you're just like, I'm going to be okay. I can do this. I, I, I can do this. I think it was just, um, the first day walking into preseason, my sophomore year, I had like a completely different mentality to like, I can do this. Like I'm good enough. Like watch me. 
And I wanted everyone to see who I was as a person and as a, as an athlete, my going into freshman year, I was at um, a USA field hockey, like training event. And I broke my ankle in July. Um, and like, you know, I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. So like TO, I had one of the, I, I don't even, have, I played eight weeks after breaking my ankle and I snapped it in three different spots. So my freshman year was really tough on me. I started a game and didn't even know all my teammates names. I'm like, Hey, Lafayette number five drop on your right. It was awful. Um, and that's just part of like the experience that was so tough on me as a freshman was I missed all of preseason. I was always in the athletic training room doing those sort of things. So I think I just said to myself, like, I, you know, you can do this, Amy, you know, you're good. Like let's, let's freaking go. Um, and I had a different mentality, a different approach to the game. And I don't, I don't even remember the start of my sophomore year. I can tell you like the first goal that was ever scored on me as a freshman. I remember being at Villanova, but I know that like, just I mentally changed how I looked at the game uh, my sophomore year. And from there on out, it wasn't like easy sailing. There's definitely ups and downs in every collegiate career, but it was just walking into that room in preseason. And I'm like, I got this guys. Like, and I remember my teammates looking at me thinking like, I, I must've had like a visor on backwards. I was wearing board shorts because I'm from South Jersey and um, you know, live on the beach. And they were like, who is this person? And I'm like, this is the person you didn't meet last year. Like, let's go. We're fine. Cause the only person that changed was me. Uh, we graduated one senior when I was a freshman who was, she was a, a decent player, but it wasn't, she was more of a role player. She wasn't, you know, the star of the team. So everything was the same. And the person that changed was, was me. I was now a sophomore and I felt more able to just do it. What, if I have to ask you from your days at Lafayette, your college career, your a favorite memory or two, what would be at the top of the list? Um, we won a Patriot League championship my sophomore year against Bucknell, and that was pretty fun. And then we made the NCAA tournament, um, and we got just killed by Maryland. But I had six goals scored to me. It was probably like the most I've ever had scored to me. And I just remember being like so tired at halftime, but I sat, I like sat on the bench at halftime with like this huge smile on my face thinking like, this was so fun. I'm getting pelted with the ball, but I was all over the place. It was great. So those were two awesome memories. And then going into my senior year of college, um, Bill Rappolt donated a lot of money to Lafayette and he actually was paying for a field, which that is just not heard of in our sport. So the field at Lafayette's named after him now. And he's actually, um, he lives in the Westchester area. So I see him every now and again, but he, helped to make my college career. Not only did he um, donate money for a field, he donated money to send us on an international trip. And I got to go to the Netherlands. Um, and I had the absolute best time with some of my best friends. And what I experienced there actually led me to the person I am here that wanted to recruit international student athletes. I was at a school where I didn't know if I could take my athletes on a trip abroad, but I figured I could bring that culture back here. Um, and being in the Netherlands and, and playing there and just seeing hockey on the news. So the nightly news is kind of like here, you flip on, you see the Phillies flip on the TV there, you see field hockey. And it was so cool. Um, and we got our butts kicked most of the time over there, but I had like the absolute time of my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was that experience and, and being in an NCAA tournament were probably two of my tops as a student athlete. So, you know, you want to coach wanting to coach, and finding an opportunity to coach are two different things. How do you break in? Um, I actually was going to go back to Lafayette and, and be an assistant for them. And I had applied for some jobs and hadn't heard anything. I think I was like a runner up at the University of Delaware for their position. They were taking um, the Canadian national team's goalkeeper and she bailed last second on a job. So Carol Miller called me up. She was the head coach at the time. And she said, you know, I know this is late and you were going to go back to your school, but we have an opportunity for you here if, if you want to, you know, come meet us. So 
I went down to Delaware and that was, that was my start. It was somebody new that wanted to teach me. Um, not only did she teach me, she was my mentor. She groomed me, you know, into becoming the head coach that, that I am today. And I credit her with teaching me everything I kind of knew about field hockey. I knew a lot on my own, but I was a goalie and I asked her so many questions and she allowed me just to learn from her. Um, so that's kind of how I got my start. Was it a challenge being in a position of authority and I would imagine in many cases the same age as some of the yeah. players? Some of them were older than me. I'm pretty sure my starting goalkeeper at the time was older than me. And she's actually a world-class international official right now. Stephanie Judifine was her name at um, University of Delaware. So that was interesting. They gave me some crap sometimes just for stupid things I would say or do. But we had, you know, a great time at UD and I, I loved every minute of being there. And, you know, after your first year, you learn kind of what not to do. A lot of times it's not learning what to do. It's what you don't do, what you don't say. Um, but my my first ex- year experience, she was awesome. She had a great senior year and you know, it was a good time. So the, fir- the first year was the only year I feel like I really struggled because I was younger than some of the current student athletes. How tough is it when you're coaching and you were – a very good goalie. There are some things I'm sure that came naturally to you. And when you're coaching, a kid maybe is struggling with that. Is it hard to get your head around? Well, why can't you, you just do it like, because it came easy to you, but it just, for whatever reason, doesn't come easy to them. Is that a a big hill to climb when you're, you're learning coaching and dealing with people and dealing with personalities? For me, no. Cause I think you just have to learn how that particular person learned. So I remember my first couple of years at Delaware, they made me, I was practiced a lot. I was in my pads all the time. So some people learn um, by doing some learn by watching and some learn by just verbally, you've got to explain, you know, exactly what you're doing. So you just have to figure out who your audience is and, and how they learn best. So we did a lot of that my first couple of years there. And I've never struggled with that. There's only been a handful of kids I've ever struggled with trying to reach because I feel like, um, as a coach, I know there's not just one right way to do something. So it's your job as an educator to figure out how to teach. Um, and I actually got my master's at UD when I was there in education. Um, so, you know, that could be a reason why I find some success coaching wise is because I'm not black and white with a lot of things. You have to learn how to reach someone that that is your job as a coach. So I don't really think that's something I, I ever struggled with. I think you have to understand where the student athlete's coming from, break down some walls that way, and then you can teach. So you're an assistant at Delaware and then eventually the opportunity to become a head coach at Susquehanna. I'm curious, does the opportunity come and you think, I, I, I want this? Or are you kind of having an internal discussion that I feel like I'm ready for a program? Let's go see if I can find a fit. Where, where do you fall on that spectrum at that point in your career? It was uh, my mentor basically called me in her office and she said, I'm kicking you out of the nest. She was like, you're too old to be doing this right now. You need to go out and see if this is for you. And I'm not doing it because I don't want you to be here. I'm doing it because you need to do this for yourself. So she's like, go, you need to go look. And it's, I say this to my kids all the time, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And when you are at a program for five years or four years, whatever, I don't even remember I was Delaware four or five years, you get just so comfortable in your position. And I love that. Love going to practice every day. It was awesome. And I was like, I don't want to go somewhere else. Like I'm making money. Like what? No, like if field hockey is for you, you, you need to go test yourself. So I had a bunch of different interviews and, 
you know, it was just one conversation with Carol and I never felt like I wasn't wanted at Delaware. She's like, if you can't find a job, you obviously have a job here. Um, but she kind of like set me on my way and then, you know, Susquehanna was out there and I went interviewed and I'd never honestly thought about division three. And I think that changed me. I was always been the division, you know, you asked like, did the pandemic change you? No, a couple of things in my career changed me having kids and then being a division three coach changed me. Um, there's something called student that I didn't understand that comes before athlete. And when you're division one and it's go, go, go always, you don't really necessarily learn like how much a school has to offer that there's these outside clubs and there's so many other interests and you don't necessarily talk to like faculty members all the time. You don't get to go to have lunch with them. There's just so many things I didn't do as a college athlete that maybe I would do differently or just things I didn't know about. Um, and I was afforded that opportunity at Susquehanna and that made me who I am as a coach today. Um, I was the same type of coach, but I got to learn about so many different programs that the university offered. And I, I got to learn what actual students do in college. And I found, Hey, this is pretty cool. There's a lot of things you guys can be involved with here. Sometimes, you know, as a coach, it's frustrating. You always want your sport to come first, but you know, that experience, you know, surely changed me as a human and as a good college coach. So you take over the program at Susquehanna overwhelmed at first. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I ever really ever get overwhelmed. I think it was just new and new is always difficult for people. Right. So as a head coach, it's, you know, 50% of your job, if that is coaching, it's, you know, where do you go for, you know, mental health and wellness assistance? Like where's the dining hall? The kids need some assistance academically. Like where do you go to find a mentor? And I didn't know any of that, you know, when I first took over, it was just fun. Every day of practice was fun. Preseason was fun. Um, I'm terrible with names and it started then. I think I like, <laughs> this is one of the most terrible things. I cut somebody because I cut the wrong person because I didn't know who the kid's name was. It was awful. It's like, I could write a book on like all the things not to do as a college head coach. I did it my first year at Susquehanna and luckily they like let me stay there a few years and find my way and become the coach I am today. Um, but, you know, never did I not have a great moment there. It was one of the best, you know, experiences of my life being a division three head coach. What did you inherited Susquehanna? Oh, mess. We weren't very good. I think we won like five games my first year. And I don't, believe me, winning five games was awesome. Or four, I don't know what it was. It was four or five. Um, but what I inherited are some of my best friends to this day. So it was a lot of work. And all the kids that wanted to stick it out and stay through course with me, I have a lot of college coaches that came out of that group of student-athletes that started at Susquehanna with me. Um, what it was and what it is, is, you know, a place that allowed me to like learn and grow. And each year my boss probably gave me more responsibility, but she allowed me to become the person that I am today. And I credit her with just giving me a very long leash instead of a short one. Cause I probably would have yanked me back several times. Um, but I was able to learn and develop and every year we, we grew and improved and got better. And that's all you ever want to see, you know, with, with a program. And I still, I'm so fond of that school and I follow them still to this day because one of my old assistants is, is the head coach there. So I love to watch what they're doing and I love to watch, you know, her success and the university's success. Do you remember your first win? And what was that like? I do not remember who we won. That's awful. I usually remember everything. Um, no, I can't think back to my first win as a college coach. I, I don't know stumped me on that one. Those kids, those kids are going to be so mad. I'm sure they were, I'm sure, you know, my kids remember what my, my uh, first win was, but I just don't. 
Time for a break on one-on-one. -on -one. We will have more with Westchester University field hockey coach Amy Cohen right after this. And we are back. Our guest this week, Westchester University head field hockey coach Amy Cohen. So when do you feel at Susquehanna that how long does it take to you feel you're really starting to build something? Um, just every year seeing a little bit, you know, finding more success. So like success can't always be measured in wins and losses, but yes, it is. So like each year you win like two more games and I'm like, wow, all right, I'm pretty good at this. And the kids are listening to me now. I don't have to yell every day and you don't have to have as many rules because they start to take care of themselves. So year by year by year, your program kind of just grows. And instead of hunting down recruits, recruits kind of, you know, word of mouth, they hear about you, they want to come play for you. And your program just gets better day in and day out. And it does, it shows in the wins. So I think we went from five wins to seven wins to nine wins to 11, something like that. So each year we had like pretty good growth. So I felt good about what we were doing there. And I'm interested because of the earlier, when you talked about you were comfortable at Delaware, you were having fun. Are you in that same place at Susquehanna where you're not thinking about the next step? Nope. I didn't want to leave it all. Um, because when you're a head coach, you think of a program as yours. And then you start to think, well, how is this program going to be successful if I leave? I've done so much. It's like your blood, sweat, and tears, and you're living in your office to build a program. And it is so hard to build a program. Um, I met I met my current wife, who basically did the same thing Carol did. And she said, if we don't move, I'm going back to Buffalo, New York. Start looking for jobs. And I'm like, are you kidding? And she's like, you know, this is not what you wanted for yourself. Like you love it here and it's great, but this is not the area you wanted. You always talked about, um, you know, potentially being a division one head coach. That was always what I thought I was going to do. Um, and just as we were having these conversations, Denise Selenak, who was and is one of my dearest friends, she's the head coach at Drexel. Um, she's a Westchester alum. She called me up and she's got the perfect job for you. I'm like, Oh, isn't this funny? Like Katie just was, you know, yelling at me that I need to start looking. So I, looked into the job and then applied for it. But I was not ever a thought of mine. I, I, I literally love going to work every day. I'm like, I love this. Why would I change what I'm doing? But I just didn't love where I lived. That was all. So it was a big part of making sure I could get um, somewhere where I could be me and be comfortable, you know, in that area. So Westchester, <laughs> it's, I guess, 2010, 2011. I don't know what on the calendar you actually uh, got hired. Uh, but, uh, and you come to Westchester Am I, and correct me if I'm wrong, as, as they go down from Division One to Division Two, that your, your hiring is simultaneous with that move, am I correct? Yes, yeah, so it was the spring of 2011, um, and I applied for the job knowing that they were just going from Division One, and I think they had like six wins the 2010 year, um, to the, okay, we're going to be Division Two. and I thought, like, my personality is, like, I love a challenge, and I thought the situation was going to be a hot mess, and it really truly was right when I stepped in, and I kind of thought like, who better than me to fix this? Like, let me give a stab at this. Like I've done it before. Why not give it a whirl a second time? Um, so yeah, it was just, it was a big challenge for me. Uh, challenge accepted. My boss, you know, the first thing Ed said to me in an interview was, um, you know, no one ever cries here. I just want crying at the end of the season. I don't care if you win or lose, but there needs to be tears. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, nobody cares. I just want somebody to care around here. I said, all right, got it. Like there will be tears at the end of the season. I don't, I can't promise you're going to win or lose, but I'll make sure they cry for you. Um, I just remember that as part of the, the job interview with him, but, uh, yeah, I, I wanted a challenge. So, you know, after talking to Katie, who 
now as my wife, I realized that like I did need and want more for myself in terms of a field hockey position. So this opened up, Denise led me this way, interviewed, and then spring of 2011, I started up. So how is, because that's an unusual thing to have a program changing, you know, division levels. Uh, I would imagine it throws a wrench into some recruiting because maybe some kids want a division one, get turned off. I'm sure it throws a wrench into the current roster because these kids came for A and they're getting B. How much of a challenge was that? And also, how much of a benefit was it coming in cold as opposed to having any tie to the past where you could just kind of sell as a, listen, we're going from here with me. It's going to be our program. Did that help a lot? Um, So the current team was pissed when I got here. And I think I've already explained this a little bit about myself to you, but I'm, I try to be understanding whether I truly am or not, I'm going to listen. Um, and I'm called the HBIC here and you can figure out what that stands for. So I will listen to everybody. Sometimes you're not going to get the first response you want from me, but I'll think about it after. So the first thing I did with these kids here, I bought like a ton of pizza and I was like, all right, let's go. And we had a meeting and we sat down and like, no one's ever bought us like pizza before. Like, all right, you're pretty cool. And they were just talking about how, oh, we're division one, this, that, and everything. And I, I looked at them. I'm like, did you lose our sinus this year? They're like, yeah. I'm like, that that's cool. And I'm like, aren't they division three? And they're like, they put their, you know, like each one of them started to put this. So I just got at them right away. I'm like, you're losing to our sinus. And you're telling me you think you're division one caliber athletes and that you're going to come into division two and you think you're going to be successful. That's funny. So I just got him right from the start with that. And it, it was really tough in the spring. The, the team was all over the place because it was, they wanted something that didn't exist. You couldn't be a division one program anymore. We're going to be division two. And my vision of division two and what they wanted were two different things. They thought it was going to be a cakewalk. Well, yeah, it was a cakewalk when Bloom beat us eight to one that year. It was not for us, a cakewalk for that team. Um, so we had to do a lot of team bonding and they'll still to this day talk to you about this, but I made them count like everything they did because they could not do anything as a team. It was so infuriating. I think my Susquehanna team could have come down here and kicked our butts. That's how all over the place they all were. So whatever they did, if they couldn't get to 20, I made them start over. So that we did a, I, I, I know for a fact we did several practices where they have done like hundreds of push-ups and sit-ups. Just anything I could think of that they, they could do counting wise until you can figure out who needs to lead because they thought they knew who their leaders were, but I didn't think that was a leader. And the only way to show it was, well, you can't even lead them in counting. How are you going to lead us on a field? So we did a lot of that stuff where it was just like breaking down things and breaking down barriers, not for me, but for them and letting, letting, like giving them an open space where they could just like have it out and hash it out with each other and things of the past. And like, all right, now we're going to move on here, guys. Um, and the recruiting bit, I don't remember recruiting that first summer as much as I do after. So, well, the first summer we did, I, I remember getting, um, Christina share, who's still one of my all time, most favorite players. Somehow I talked her into coming after, you know, here before we even played a game. Um, but the recruiting certainly was assisted by the fact that we won a national championship my first year. So we won and we, we picked kids up right away and you're able to build, you know, right, right then and there. And that was going to be, you segue right into my next line of questioning. Oh, by the way, after all that in the spring, you lead Westchester to a national championship in the fall. If I'm talking to you, if we're sitting in your office in April of May of 2011, is that even remotely on the radar that I think the pieces could be here to win a national title? 
Um, yes and no. No, because we were a hot mess, but yes, because I always believe in myself. I don't think I'm the greatest by any means, but I have enough confidence and self-confidence myself to think like, okay, you took this job because you want to get to that same experience that you had at Lafayette. So we made one NCAA tournament at Delaware and it was so fun. I loved it when I was at Lafayette and I thought like the percentage of teams at division two were one out of like 30 something teams. Like I could definitely get there. So I had like that in the back of my mind. Then I'm like, well, we can't even count. I don't like, what are they doing out there? So there's that like 50, 50 mix. And I never like start a season thinking that we're going to win. People talk about that all the time. And I think that's the worst mistake you can ever make because then you don't work hard. It's so hard to get to the top, but it's even harder staying there. So it's never, you know, the forethought, it's just, it's kind of always there. And it's there maybe like last year when we won in 2019, people always ask you to compare. That was not definitely not my most talented group. I've had so many teams that had better players, but I didn't necessarily have a better team. That was probably the best team I've had here was 2019. I've had better athletes on other teams, but you know, better athletes don't always win the big one. So when in 2011 in their progress and their development and their competition, do you start to think, okay, we've got something here. I don't know how far it's going to go, but from this point on, we're going to be a tough out. We we got into the NCAA tournament by like the skin of our teeth. So we had really big wins in the beginning of the year that I didn't even realize at the time how huge they were. So UMass Lowell was division two at the time. They're now division one. Um, and Shannon hadn't lost a game. And I don't even know how many. And then here I come. <laughs> we end up beating UMass Lowell in overtime, and they had just won the national championship the year before. So I was like, okay, well, that's good. And then we had some, like, ups and downs during the year. We exited early out of the PSSC tournament that year. And I remember talking to Kutztown's head coach, Betty Westner, at the time, and I'm like, well, am I going to make it? And she's like, I don't, I don't know. You have a shot. So I don't think I thought we had a shot of winning that thing until we actually beat Shippensburg on the road. So – that was not a fluke. We totally outplayed them. We won three, nothing. It was crazy. And that moment on, I was like, all right, I feel pretty good about this. Now we'll see how the next one goes. And then we beat bloom who had just literally demolished us uh, a couple weeks before. And we beat them in penalty strokes, which the game has changed. And now it would have been a shootout. So we beat them there. And then we ended up playing again, UMass Lowell for the national championship. And we had already beaten them earlier in the year. So um, it was, it wasn't to the very end that year that I thought we could actually do it. What is that like to, to win a national championship and to do it in your first year? Do you remember the moments leading up to the game? Were you, were you strangely calm? Were you frantic? Oh, were you somewhere in between? Nervous. Nope. Nervous mess. Always. Um, I think I may have peed my pants on the sideline. Uh, and I swear I did, but when I went to the bathroom after the game, it was so cold when we played Bloomsbury that I, maybe I didn't, but I could have sworn that I did. I'm always nervous. Like I told you, like, it doesn't matter if we probably should win 10, nothing, eight, nothing. I think you need to treat every game. Like it's a national championship game because I'm always on edge and I'm definitely going to be on edge that game. So I make sure I'm giving it to my student athletes the same way on day one, as I'm going to give them for the big one. Uh, and I think that's really important to make sure you stay even heel as a coach. And I actually um, heard Gino Oriama talk about this a few years ago. And he's actually a Westchester alum. And he's like, I treat every game like it's a national championship. So when they get there, they're prepared. And I feel like I actually truly am the same way with that. So um, I look at the national championship games a little bit differently now. I kind of look at it as you've already done all the hard work. Now just go play and have fun. 
Um, but I'm still just as nervous. I think back then I just was a nervous wreck because I didn't know what to expect of my team because they had never been there. I had never been there. Um, but now, you know, year after year, you're fortunate enough to make some NCAA tournaments. You don't win them all, but they at least have that experience. So they know what it's like. So talk to me about the, that first win that UMass Lowell for the title two to one. What do you remember of the game and what was that celebration like? Um, I remember having a practice beforehand and talking to them about how there was a different press that UMass Lowell was going to use. And no one listened to me except one kid, Kelsey Likens, Shemp, still, you know, literally a best friend to me today. She hated me as her college coach. She loved the coach before me and just had a real struggle of a time um, with me coming in. Kathy and I are very different. Um, and I said, well, if we can't do any of these things, can you, can somebody just take the ball and throw it up over everyone's heads? Well, no one did anything that I told them to do. She remembered the last bit of it and it scored a goal in that game to Fio, who Fio has been, you know, my best friend, if not one of my best friends for the last 10 years of my life has been an assistant coach. She scored a goal in that game. Shemp also Kelsey uh, worked for me for a few years. So I, I remember that. Um, and I remember just like, stalling at the end of the game. So Michelle Schrift, one of my you know best players also I've ever coached was Michelle. There's a handful that I, she was special and she just stalled. She had the ball um, in the corner of the field for like the last two minutes of the game and everyone was booing us for doing it, but sorry, not sorry. We're here to win a national championship, not to please everybody. Um, so I definitely remember those two things vividly. So Shemp's ball uh, that Theo ended up scoring on and then um, Michelle stalling to, to win the championship. And then you come back the next year in 2012 and you do it again. Yeah. Uh, how, you know, it's one thing when you're climbing the mountain and you mentioned it earlier, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard to get to the top, harder to stay there. What's the mentality like that whole year after the national championship when you're chasing it again and, you know, all of a sudden you're not going to sneak up on anybody. You're not going to be surprised Everybody's circling when you're coming to town. Is that a difficult transition to to adjust for? Obviously, you guys got through it, all right, because you win the title again. But I would imagine that presents some challenges that are unusual. Yeah, for sure. You just have to explain that, like, you're always going to have a target on your back. Um, so the kids still need to play with a chip on their shoulder because it may not be your best day, but you're going to get everybody else's best day. Um, so you just try to pride yourself as a program on – maybe it's not your best day, but what you can control is your effort. So if you can give hundred percent effort every game, typically, you know, you're going to get good results. So we focused a lot on that, you know, that particular year and they were hell bent on getting back. You know, they, they wanted to go back to back and believe me, we wanted to go back to back to back. Um, but that target just keeps getting larger and larger and larger, the more success that, that you find, you know, as a program. So um, I think they really enjoyed the target that second year and it was more fun. They knew me, a little bit better. Um, so they kind of knew what to expect from me. Um, and I mean, I enjoyed my first year. You couldn't have had a better first year than what I had, but the second year was, was just as fun. And I think they actually relaxed a little bit because it wasn't, um, that, Oh my God, what is she going to say now type of thing? What are we doing? They had been there, done that. Um, they had played all these teams now at least once and they kind of knew what to expect, you know, from the division to, you know, level for field hockey wise. And you beat UMass Lowell again in the title game. Uh, but this time, you know, five, nothing, which, you know, at a high level field hockey, that's, you know, that's a pretty much a blowout. Uh, what was that game like? I would imagine you guys had it for most of the game. Are you constantly looking at 
time. Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Just get to the finish line. Yeah. And I still do that. I try to not look at that clock. I remember that was the slowest one ever of my life was that game. Uh, because we went up early. We were so lucky to have gone up early. They were a really good team, but we went up early and then we went up big early. I think it may have even been like three, nothing in the first half. So I, I, I learned from that game on to stop watching the clock. Like I, I try to not do it. Um, like, don't look over there. Just don't do it because it just moves so slow. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was an excellent game. I remember going back years later and watching it and thinking, wow, we actually know how to play on this surface. So we play on a water-based pitch. Um, and most other division two teams play on infill, which is commonly referred to as field turf, but that's, you know, a company name. it's actually infill. So I, I actually remember watching that game and thinking like, they could use this as a textbook for how you're supposed to play. And I didn't have anything to do with it. The kids just played really well. It wasn't me coaching. It was like, they were out there like letting that team have it. And they looked awesome doing it. And it was an awesome game just to watch. I didn't coach when you win five, nothing that's, that's kids. That's your team doing all the work. Um, so that was definitely a real special game. And one, you know, I won't forget as a college coach. So two years at Westchester, two years, national championship, you know, what is your, calculus at that point because that's incredibly hard to do you've set the bar so high do you feel a lot of pressure on yourself that oh my god if we get to the national championship game and lose which is a phenomenal season it's almost a step down did you have moments where you felt that kind of pressure I don't know if I felt the pressure as much as my student athletes did that year. So you have sophomores that I had and they won sophomore year. They won a national championship junior year. And then here they are senior year. And it's like, well, we have to do it this way, but there isn't, you know, one particular way to win or one particular way to win a national championship it, every year. And every team is different. So they were playing with a lot of freshmen. We had a freshman goalie at the time. And I, I felt awful for the pressure that they put on themselves and you can't do anything as a coach to change it. Um, you can kind of just tell them how it may feel, but I never, and my boss was always so good about it. And my current bosses, well, they don't ever tell me that I have to win or this is expected of you. Um, you just have that like intrinsic motivation yourself that this is what you want to do. And we don't, unfortunately just didn't have, you know, the right pieces at the end that year, but they gave it everything they had. And again, like those are some real great seniors that played that year and, you know, they, they had pressure and, that stinks as an athlete, but there's nothing, again, there's nothing you can do about it. It's pressure. Sometimes you just put on yourself because everyone did it before you. So it's like, now it's your turn to do it. But I always kind of look at national championships being won by the classes under the seniors. I think the seniors can get you there, but it's everybody that collectively has to win. Um, so we just had a lot of babies that were out there that year and it just wasn't kind of meant to be. And you learn from that. So you try to not put the pressure on, on kids and you tell them, don't put the pressure on yourself. Like these games, you got to have fun. Um, and if you're not having fun, why are you out there doing it? And there's a lot of like life things like life is all about, you know, taking calculated risk. And if you don't take calculated risk in big moments like that, you're not going to win a game. So we learned that, or I learned that as a coach, probably a lot through that year. And that that's made me into who I am today. And I think it's given me a better message to, to give kids prior to playing in big games like that. So you make the NCAA tournament that year, you don't win the title and then you have several years you're very successful. You're going to the NCAA tournament. You're winning some PSAC titles, uh, but you haven't won that national title until 2019. How does you know, I, you could make, I'm very interested in your three titles, 2011, 2012, 2019. I would imagine they all kind of hit differently. 
or mm-hmm. they're, they're all kind of remembered differently because that first one's your first one. Your second one, you did it back to back. That's hard to do. And then you have a little bit, I don't want to call it drought because you guys were still an, an elite team, but you don't do it for a few years and then you do it again and you get back there. Do they all hit differently? For sure. And everyone wants you to compare, but I don't think they're comparable. Like every team in every year is so different. And like I said, probably the best player I ever coached was Rachel Toppy. And I can't believe I never got her a national championship. I don't put that on her. I'm like, what the hell was I doing for four years with her? But she tore ACL, um, a final four game. And that was the season right down the drain when that happened with that kid. Um, but you know, I put this pressure on me that I want these kids to have like the absolute best experience. Um, and sometimes you just, you just don't get it that year, but every, every win and every team is, is so different. And I think 2019, that group let me be me. So like, I always try to let them be them, but they allowed me to be me. I mean, we were hiring a new coach and one of my kids, Sydney Ostrowski at the time said, you know, we like these kids, but, or these people who apply for the job, but you need to hire who you like, like trust your gut. And I hired the person I liked and she helped me win a national championship. She's still with me today. I, I love Abby to death. And I think even though she wasn't with us that spring, she was a big part of it. And um, what was that Frank Sinatra? Like I did that one my way. It wasn't anyone else's way, but mine. Um, I'm not, you know, really big on teaching defense. And I said before the year, well, if it fails again this year, maybe I'll change my way. And then we scored 90 goals. So unfortunately, it's going to be going my way again. And I, it's not from me being headstrong, but it's from having a group of student athletes that are like, we actually fully trust you. Let's go. And we're going to do what you say because we know you're going to get us to where we want to go. So it was just that like trust. And that's something special. And I didn't have that my first two years because they weren't mine. Somebody else recruited those kids. And I had heard for I don't know how many years I won with somebody else's players. I did, but they're my kids and they're like some of my best friends to this day. I, lo- I don't like them or not like them any differently than my current players. Like I love them dearly. I love these guys dearly, but I recruited all these guys um, and we did it our way. It wasn't just my way. Um, we made it special and we kind of had to recreate the program to what it is today. So it was 2019 from a purely coaching standpoint, the most satisfying one for you? Yeah, 100%. Um, because they were my kids that I recruited and they were not necessarily um, the best in terms of, I'm telling you, Rachel Toppy, I had a kid that was, she had start and play for any any program out there in the country, Division One, and this team just worked harder. Same thing, 2011 and 12, they had more talent than 2019. 2019 did not have as much talent, but they had more team to them. So that's why that one was like so special and fun. I mean, 2011 was my first. You're never going to beat your first. Um, 2012, going back to back, like, I don't know if we can ever do that again. That was just so awesome. And it was so much fun. And then 2019, it was, it was, it was my program now and my recruits and they did it. I didn't do it. They went out there and they showed everybody, you know, they were the best. You beat St. Anselm for that 2019 title. What do you remember about, it's kind of the same question as earlier, about that game celebration preparation. Is there like one memory that just sticks out above the most that you will always associate with that with that championship? Oh, it's going to be arguing with Abby, my assistant, the day before the game. She knew the NE10. She came from the NE10, and the way she scouted – those teams was very different than how I asked her to, to scout things. And she was just telling me like everything about every player. And we we're at breakfast. And I remember like at one point just being like, you need to stop. You're giving me a headache. We worry about ourselves. We don't worry about other people. And I'm like, just tell me like the one most important thing about this team. And she said something that I was like, Oh, we're going to do this. 
So we practiced that day and we did some things differently. And I'm a, I don't ever want to do anything that's new the day before a game, God forbid a national championship game, but we did a lot of new drills. Um, I talked to her, I was like, this is how I think we're going to win from all this gibberish that you told me, this is what we need to do. And the practice was awful. It was atrocious. Like it was all new. And again, when you do new for the first time, it doesn't ever go well, but I'm like, you know what, we're going to have to do this because this is how we're going to have to win. And I remember being in the game, Katie Thompson scored a goal going against the grain. So that just means, you know, the keeper was going one way, her body was going one way and she shot the opposite direction. And one of my backs, Emma Velez, did the same thing in the backfield outletting um, the whole defense shifted one way and she struck a ball the opposite way. And I just remember thinking like, all right, you can change it up the day before a really important game. Um, and then the cannons going off, that's going to haunt me. So every time those goal scored, you just jumped. It was just like huge cannon. So that, that was fun. And we got some corners called on us with like three or four minutes left in the game. And I didn't watch those. I didn't know what happened until afterwards. Cause I don't want to watch this. I can't believe this is happening right now. We had a, a freshman goalie who was super talented, but I'm like, why are they doing this to her? She's 19. I just think a lot about myself, not even about Claire. I'm like, I would have died right now if I were in gold to her national championship and this poor freshman, like what is wrong with you people on my team? Why are you doing this to her? Um, but yeah, I mean that it's the most fresh in my mind because it just happened, but it was fun. I mean, the whole experience was great for them. You know, we we're in Millersville, but it didn't feel like that. Lancaster is actually a pretty fun town. That's where we stayed. It's an awesome experience. Millersville and their athletic staff, you know, did a wonderful job of throwing a great national championship experience. So your passion just screams through this entire discussion. If I had to ask you to kind of distill down the favorite part of what you do, what would it be? It's easy. The people you get to hang out with some of the best people, whether it's, you know, the staff and support staff at Westchester, my assistant coaches, um, and then obviously most particularly the players just love hanging out with those student athletes every day. Um, I'm a crazy person. I base my life's work off of the decisions that 17 to 23 year olds make. Um, I don't know if that's so smart, but it's what I do and I love doing it. Um, and it's going to work every day with a big smile on my face because I get to see them and I get to hang out with them and I get to just be a small part, um, of their life and, and helping them grow into the amazing young women that I get to see today that I can tell you are some of my greatest friends that are business women that are doctors that are physicians, assistants that are, you know, going to law school, trying to get into med school, teaching, um, and that's it. So it's the people. Amy Cohen, this was a ton of fun. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for the time. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Westchester University head field hockey coach Amy Cohen for being our guest this week. If you like the show and want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. Now you can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out next time when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.